This is Redefining the Counterculture on Witten Radio. Make sure to check out our website at wittenradio.com. Everyone's got their thing. Maybe it's a breakup, a death, an accident, whatever it is, you used to be one thing, now you're something else. We all have our own problems. Our own issues. Our own. Demons. I just have one question. When Cap needed help, if I'd asked you, would you have come? I guess we'll never know. But if you had, you'd have never been caught. I do some dumb things, and the people I love the most, they pay the price. Thanks to you, we had to run. We're still running. Let's go. Maybe you just need someone watching your back. like a partner. Hold on. You gave her wings? And blasters. So I take it you didn't have that tech available for me? No, I did. Guys, you're listening to another episode of Redefining the Counterculture right here on Witten Radio. Uh, tonight, we've got a super special guest for you. We're joined by actress, singer-songwriter, and producer, Jane Badler. Jane, how are you? Hi. <laughs> it's great to have you on tonight's show. I'm super excited. Oh, me too. No, it's great. Love, love it. I'm so happy you be happy. It's wonderful. Absolutely. All the way from Australia. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I, you know, it was, uh, 
lining our schedules up was kind of crazy at first, um, you know, and I, know. I want to thank the guys and girls over at October Coast uh, Publicity because they definitely helped to, to move things along and to get us set up, you know. Uh, we're, we are literally oceans apart, but this is so cool because we're here to talk about, you know, just the new works and the new things that you're working on, um, as well as, you know, some of your past things. I'm super excited. I wanted to to ask you, you know, you're a triple threat. I mean, you sing, you act, you produce. Um, what was the catalyst that propelled you and your interest in the arts? Was it something that somebody did, maybe like a family member, or was it something that you saw growing up that just really, I guess, really got, got gave you the bug to start acting and to, to singing and such? You know, I think for like a lot of people that are, um, you know, actors or singers, you know, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, fantasy and, um, you know, creating a world that um, is kind of the world that you want. I mean, for me, you know, I, I mean, I grew up, I had a, you know, my upbringing was a little complicated. And, um, you know, I found that, you know, singing and doing things like acting was a, a wonderful kind of, you know, way of getting into another headspace and being creative, and it just kind of got me through some difficult times. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you remember, I guess, what it was like for you the first time you you acted and you, I mean, were you nervous? Were you, was it, did it come as a relief to you? What was it like? You know what's so weird? Like, the first time I sang, I was five years old, and it was like in a talent contest up in the Catskill Mountains. And I sang Annie Get Your Gun, you know, from that, that musical. I think it's from, um, I think it was called Annie Get Your Gun, You Can't Get a Man with a Gun, you know. <laughs> and uh, what a strange song for a five-year-old thing. You know, you can't get a man with a gun. Hello. <laughs> you know, not very politically correct. But anyway, um, I think that, um, you know, that was the first time I got so much attention. You know, that was the thing. I got a lot of attention. And then, you know, my sixth grade teacher, she she thought I was so talented. I used to sing Barbara Streisand. And I, I just always had a lot of attention from doing something that came very naturally. So I guess that was a reason to just keep doing it because it made me feel special. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um where do you, I guess, where do you draw your influences from? Because you're so talented, and I know, you know, creative types, they usually have um, someone or something or maybe a, a collection of things that really kind of help to, to foster their style and, you know, just the overall, you know, essence of who they are. Is there anyone or anything that you would, I guess, attribute, like, who you are and, and what you've become to today? You know, I often look at people, you know, as you get old, you know, you change as you get older what influences you and what, you know, your, uh, you know, the people that inspire you. And, you know, for me now, I'm very inspired by, you know, women of a certain age, I have to say, and even the younger generation. When I look at the younger generation and their attitude, their empowerment, you know, women nowadays, um, what they'll take and what they won't take. You know, I come from a very different generation where we accepted a lot of behavior and there was a lot of acceptance. And now I'm looking at this very powerful young generation that really inspires me. And also people of my own age that are constantly doing things that have so much energy, you know, even someone like Jane Fonda who continually reinvents herself, you know, and 
you know, looks so wonderful and she seems so healthy. And even some of my friends, I have a very close friend who inspires me. She's around my age and she never gives up. And, you know, so influences can be anyone around you that, you know, seems to have interminable energy and passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, on the subject of, you know, millennials and and just, you know, just, I guess, this newer generation, um, when you look at the generation and you look at the way that it's going, um, would you say that you're, you are pleased with, you know, how the generation is going and, you know, you know, what the generation looks like? Because you, you get some really wonderful um, pieces of advice and just, you know, how you look at things. Um, but personally speaking, how do you feel? Yeah, I, you know, I grew up, you know, not to go into the whole Me Too movement, but, you know, I grew up accepting, you know, I, I didn't realize the effect it had on me, uh, you know, the constant, um, you know, not harassment, but, you know, when you're in a, an industry like the acting industry and, you know, you're, you're, you feel powerless and you want so much to get work, you often, you know, sexually are, you're harassed a lot by powerful men and it's very constant. Um, and it was for me as well. It was a constant thing for a powerful men, constantly uh, sexually harassing. But, you know, you accept it. And my generation, or at least I did, it was just part of it. And I always accepted it. Um, and in a way, it starts to make you feel less. Uh, you don't realize it had that effect on you until you get older. And you look back and you start to question your own talent, your own abilities. Um, and I just think I looked at what's going on now and I just, you know, I, I hope it doesn't go too extreme to the other end because men are, you know, a lot of men are beautiful and don't behave that way. Right. But, um, you know, I just think it's it's just the way it is. Sometimes things have to swing. The pendulum has to swing very far in one direction for change to happen. And um, and I just think it's so great that women are not accepting that now uh, and they're demanding that pe- they're noticed for their talents. Uh, so, I mean, I'm super, you know, proud to, to watch that and to see that and it makes me reflect on my own upbringing and the things that I accepted uh, and the damage that it did to me. So, um, yeah, I think it's really a very powerful time for women. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, on the subject of Me Too, it's, I mean, it's such a hot button issue because, you know, there's been so much, um, you know, wrongdoing that's gone on and that's taken place for so long. Um, what advice would you give to the young actress or actor that's out there listening to this interview um, that looks up to you and that, you know, you know, views you as a role model? Um, what advice would you give to them just in terms of if they were to encounter, you know, something like an incident of, you know, sexual harassment or sexual assault or anything of the like? You know, I, you know, I was lucky, you know, in that I was never sexually assaulted and, so I don't feel like I have any deep-seated trauma. Um, and I think it's a whole other thing when it moves into that area. That's like a whole different thing than someone just coming on to you or someone in power, you know, saying, I mean, maybe some people don't think that there's a difference. But, um, you know, for me, you can always, I mean, I, I never gave into that. As much as I wanted a career, as desperate as I was, I, I never crossed that line. Because I couldn't live with myself. Um, not to say that that some women, you know, I'm not judging because it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult arena. But I just think if you just stay true to yourself and you know don't don't 
you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one. I don't know what advice to give. I just think what everyone's doing right now is so beyond what I did. You know, the, the way people are speaking up, the bravery and the courage is so beyond what I was able to do in my generation. So I almost feel in some ways they've bypassed, uh, in a way, bypassed where I was at. You know, I'm just looking in awe and wonder at, at this generation. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, on this topic, with me too, you know, it's still a relatively new movement. Um, and as we know, you know, with anything dealing with, you know, revolution or, you know, just advancement, whether it be with race relations or um, um, sexuality, you know, um, or, or sexual preference, you know, it takes time. You know, that's what all of, you know, the, the protesting and the marching and, the, the change of laws have been. Um, with Me Too, do you think that it will continue to hold people accountable and to to bring to justice, bring to light the injustices that have taken place? Um, or do you think it will fizzle out? Uh, it, I know it's kind of hard to, to say, um, but, you know, revolutions, they can go either way. Uh, in your personal opinion, what do you think will be the ultimate? Well, I, I think it's not just about you know women. It's about um, you know uh, you know this this movement encompasses so many things now. It it it, it includes you know acceptance of everyone, acceptance of you know trans and gays and um, you know all everything across the board. It it seems to me that there's huge shifts. But when you look at television and how you know, a lot of TV shows now, uh, you know, like, you know, you can look at Orange is the New Black with, you know, the character Boo, or you can look at Billions. They brought in a kind of a character that's like, you know, she's a, she calls herself a they. And, you know, it's like, and it's sort of starting to go into mainstream. It's not just on the outskirts anymore. We pull his driveway. So, I mean, it's just so fantastic. I mean, nothing makes me happier than to see that acceptance of people that, you know, in the past were, you know, marginalized and terribly unhappy and suicidal. I mean, the fact that it's now being brought into the mainstream, I mean, we still have a very long way to go because there's so much bias and bigotry. But I think it's about not just women, but it's about, you know, about everything, just that inclusiveness of accepting femininity, women, and all kind of people that are marginalized, you know, blacks. Um, I, I hope that it continues. I think it will. I think that, you know, the Pandora's box has now been open, and I don't think yes. it's going to close. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. I mean, we definitely have a ways to go, um, quite a ways to go, but I do believe since the Pandora's box has been open that it will continue to, to push forward and changes will continue to come as a result. So I'm, I'm optimistic as well. And how moving, you know, even just, you know, let's not even go into this, but, you know, the Tonys for those Parkland kids to be singing Rent. I mean, I mean, these, yeah. you, know, these are, you know, I mean, obviously the arts community is looked at as elitist. And uh, and I think, you know, most people uh, will say, oh, yeah, but they're all just famous actors. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't permeate into the mainstream kind of person that lives in, you know, kind of, you know, impoverished areas, but but it's still so important that this is happening. You know, absolutely, absolutely, I completely agree. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful time just for things to you know to be taking place and 
for changes to be occurring because, I mean, 10 years ago, this, this didn't happen. And so, you know, the fact that all this is going on now is like, it's super important and it's super critical and it's a great time to be alive because we're, we are witnessing it and we're seeing firsthand the changes that are taking place. And because of the change. Yeah. With the young, that's what's yeah. exciting. It's the youth. It's the youth <laughs> that's making a difference. Yeah, it's so yeah. wonderful, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I want to jump ahead just for a little bit, and I wanted to talk about um, your role in V. Now, I know that this, <laughs> this is... No, I um, love talking about that. Okay, okay. It's cool because some, some celebrities, they hate talking It's incredible. About it. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you remember auditioning for that role? It's so iconic. It was such an iconic role. Um, what were yeah. your thoughts and emotions when you, when you found out that you had been cast? Well, you know, I, um, you know, was, I mean, I think I had done like, you know, one one thing on my time, which was Fantasy Island. I played like a, you know, a prisoner in the dungeon. And um, I think that was like, you know, I was so desperate to move into kind of nighttime television. I was doing a soap opera in New York at the time uh, called The Doctors with Alec Baldwin, who was my love interest. And, um, and I remember like, you know, they kept flying me out for, you know, the A-team and love boat and I kept constantly being flown out. At those days they'd fly you on first class, you know, to test. Um and um I remember just being flown out once again and I read the miniseries on the plane and I kept looking for my character. I had like I think I had like five little scenes in the ma- the first mini series. So, you know, I thought, okay, well it's not like the biggest role, but you know, it's kind of a fun role. I didn't ever think it was like a great role, you know? Mm-hmm. And I went, and I remember Tim Johnson was in a hotel room. It was a, a, like a, quite a few people in there, and I had to audition in a hotel room, which I guess is an unusual thing to do. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and I was staying in a hotel. And I remember going in an audition room and thinking, okay, well, that wasn't. And then I'll never forget, as long as I live, the next morning I woke up with a note under my door, and it said, don't leave town. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Greatest words I think I'd ever heard. Don't leave town. That's like every actor wants to hear that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the next thing I knew that day, I was in makeup and they were making like a head, you know, one of those. I had to get like full, you know, plasticine on my face and they were making like a fake head. So <laughs> that was like. Oh, wow. I think that filming had started. There had been a, you know, terrible, terrible tragedy on the set. One of the actors had been, um, you know, murdered by her boyfriend, um, and that was all, you know, that was Dominique Dunn's daughter. Um, And that was like a terrible tragedy, and that I might have postponed the casting of Diana, I don't know. But um, they were, they had seen hundreds of people, and for whatever reason, Ken Johnson saw in me, you know, the perfect person that he wanted, and it was just so incredible. Was one of those incredible moments in my life. I'll never forget. Man, that's awesome. I can I can only imagine. Um, and I know that the the series it, it was it was so successful. Like you know, it was critically successful, and it went on to actually um, be an ABC Network reboot in the I think it was the late the late two thousands two thousand nine two thousand ten something like that. Um, yes. <laughs> what did you think of the the reboot? Were you a fan? Look, here's the deal. They came back with a reboot, you know, and like I, when I get my head, you know, I, I have an obsessive personality and I'm 
all saying everything my kid obsessed is that when I get obsessed by something, I get obsessed by it, right? <laughs> and when I heard that the, that V was coming back, I became obsessed, okay, with getting mm-hmm. on that show. Don't ask me why. And I loved the, uh, I thought the visuals of the show were magnificent. I thought the actors were wonderful. I didn't think that it totally worked. But I took myself to L.A. I pretended I was there. I wasn't. I got myself a meeting with Jace Hall, who was at the time the showrunner. And he he then left the show, and then they had a new Scott Rosenbaum, who became the second showrunner. I then did the same thing again. And I don't know, I think meeting me, he decided that he was going to bring Diana back. And mm. lo and behold, I had to audition for it. And I won the role. And I came back the second season. I was in the whole second season. They brought my character back as Morena's mother, uh, as the uh, character that was supposed to be Diana, her mother. And they called me Diana, but I was very different. And they kept me in the dungeon, so I never got to have the power that I wished that I did. But still, I'm very grateful because I. it just goes to show that if you put your head around something and you are determined, you can make it happen, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, do you know if there are any current plans to reboot the franchise someday? I know it's kind of a long shot, but have you heard any, any talk about it? Look, the only thing that I've heard is that Kenneth Johnson is in the midst of raising money, finances, to do a feature film. And, um, yeah, that is definitely in the making. He has a studio backing him, behind him, and I think he's very close. Uh, I don't know if any of the original cast will have cameos. I don't know what he's planning. But I suspect it's to just redo the original miniseries with a young cast. That's what I'm thinking. And, um, which I think would be extraordinary, you know? Kind of like with the way they did with Wonder Woman, right? Yes, 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 yes. Good example. You know, modern, yeah. So I hope it happens because it would be wonderful for Ken Johnson. He's been trying to do this for years and years. Um, and, um, and you know, I think it's very apropos, and I hope it happens for him, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. You, um, you are um, – some of your most iconic roles have been in sci-fi, um, but, I mean, you've done other stuff as well. You're not just confined to just science fiction. Um, this is kind of a weird question, but I was wondering, out of all of the things, out of all the, the genres that you've acted in um, for film stage, um, which, what would you say is, I guess, your favorite genre? Do you have a favorite one? Would it be sci-fi or would it be drama? Do you know, I personally love, love acting in sci-fi, okay? Ah. Because I think I think sci-fi gives women... Um, you know, a chance to do roles that are very exciting. You know, I love playing roles in sci-fi. I love playing badass characters. I love playing fantasy characters. Um, I love playing, you know, I just happen to love all that, you know? And also lately I love doing comedy. Comedy is my new thing. You know, I did a comedy in Spain a couple of years ago, and then I did another little film in L.A., uh, called the birthday cake where I played a comic, comic character, and all of a sudden I realized, and I just did a web series that was comedy, and I go, wow, I'm kind of like funny. And I suddenly I realized I'm like really funny. 
And so that's like a new thing that I really want to explore more of is comedy, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and when I say comedy, I don't mean like, you know, like the kind of the big kind of laugh-laugh comedy, you know, where they have like the people laughing in the audience. Right, right, I mean, right. Or like, yeah, it's a different sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, so I think those are probably, I mean, but I love dramas too, you know. I, I think TV right now is just so unbelievable. It's so exciting, television, that um, I think all actors are really keen to just get on television. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, I know, like, back in the day, not not long ago, you know, there was definitely a huge divide between television and film actors. But now with the advancement in technology, it seems like the two mediums have really converged. And that, you know, yes. a, lot of, a lot of actors, you know, love television as much as they do films, you know, in terms of the work. Uh, would you say that this is the case for you? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I just want to work. I, you know, I have a new, new passion for acting. You know, I kind of came to Australia, and then I kind of didn't really – I mean, I did a lot of little theater here. I never really stopped kind of pushing it. But, you know, things became very quiet for me for a while. And um, and then, you know, I did the reboot, and I did some films in Europe, and I just signed with an amazing manager in New York. Um, that, you know, has in, an incredible roster. They handle Sandra Bernhardt and, you know, Mia Delaria from, you know, you know Orange is the New Black and Linda Carter, and they're just incredible managers. So uh, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm very excited. I'm going to spend some time in, in, in the U.S. now and uh, try to get back back into, you know, into some kind of, you know, acting in America again. So I'm very excited about, you know, those kind of uh, possibilities for me. I love it. I love it. Um, now, you reside in Australia, I believe. Um, what do you love most about America? Because I know that, um, you know, I mean, there's something about being home that's, you know, obviously very refreshing. But uh, I'm sure that you have some favorite things about being here in the States. What would you say do you love most about coming over here to work? Look, I think there's just nothing like it. You know, I mean, the... <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you know, America and American television and uh, the opportunities and the actors and the directors and the uh, the kind of high level of work being done uh, for an actor is just, it's just the big apple. You know, it's, it's the biggest prize. It's the place we all want to be in work. You know, I mean, Europe's great too, but I mean, I mean I'm a New Yorker and, uh, and New York's my town. I love New York so much. I love the energy. I love the bullshitness. I love New Yorkers. And, um, you know, I just kind of thought, think I'm, I'm willing now my kids are grown. One's an actor, one's lives in LA, one's lives in New York. So all the more reason for me to now start to spend more time there and, and try to kind of see if I can, you know, kind of get back on track, not back on track, but just kind of get a, a bit of work happening there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I wanted to jump ahead, and I also wanted to talk about um, one of your newer films. Um, it's called 2047, Virtual Revolution. Uh, what was it like for you working on this film? That was so crazy because the, the director was French, and you just won't believe how many jobs I get on Twitter. Okay, Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> That's how I get my work now. Okay, like people contact me, um, and these are like not like super high budget films. These are kind of smaller budget films, 
and they kind of contact you, and then you get in touch. And so this, uh, you know, guy, uh, Guy Roger, he he sent me a, a script, and I just thought, oh my god, this script is so amazing. <laughs> you know about, and I just thought it was so important to the world. You know, you know, and as we know, it's it's about you know the world is now in the future, and people are all living online because you know of, of things going on. People prefer online; they're all addicted to their online reality, which is such an interesting concept, you know. And um, and I read it and just thought absolutely, and I couldn't believe it. You know, next thing I know, you know, I'm kind of on my way to Paris, and and because it was kind of um, not a big budget film. They had to shoot all my scenes, uh, which were very wordy, in two days. So I literally, like, you know, or three days, and I got off the plane. I was so jet-lagged, and I had some kind of weird back thing that happened on the plane. Oh, <laughs> I got there. Oh. It was, like, an excruciating pain, oh, right? Oh. So I had to go see some kind of French guy, some French guy that could fix my back, and I was on, you know, medication and then I, you know, arrived the next day on the set, and I had to do like, you know, I had like ten pages of dialogue that we just had to do in a day, and it, oh it was all fog, fog machines, right? <laughs> and I just remember sitting there, like, and suddenly, like, not only was my back hurting, but I suddenly had this migraine. <laughs> oh my god! And everything, and everything became pixelated. Oh my god. I thought, I've got to stop filming, I've got to stop filming. And then this poor, you know, get guy, and he's the director on this very, very tight schedule, right? <laughs> and I had to, like, shut down the, shut down the, the shooting and sit outside and take some pain pills. Like, so let me just say this. Life is not always the way it appears in movies, you know? I mean, it was just, like, one of those things. But then by the next day, I was on fire. You know, it was just that first day. Getting my bearings, getting over jet lag. I should have given myself three days to get over the jet lag, but I threw myself into it. And he was a beautiful, patient director. The sets were incredible. Um, you know, I just loved. I just loved being part. Of, I just loved being part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I can tell, like your passion for filmmaking um, and acting, because it just exudes in your voice. You know, when you tell about your experiences and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. Um, now, you're also the producer of um, of the film Daisy Winters. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it for the for those that are uninitiated and don't know about the project. Uh, tell us how you first became involved with it. Hey, this is like a book, I'm telling you. Getting involved in this film, I could write a book. And I won't do that now because I, we don't have that much time. But let me say... <laughs> that I met the most extraordinary woman, uh, Beth Lamore. She's the most, she was a charismatic, beautiful, passionate, incredibly talented woman. She was a friend of my son's. Um, I had known her. I'd read these 50 years earlier when my son was being considered for a role, which eventually went to Ian Rion. We, we all know him as Ramsey in Game of Thrones. Yes. And um, <laughs> I met her. I, 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 I went back to, uh, you know, two years later, she was, the film was happening and she was trying to raise a bit more money, and she contacted me, and we sat at the Four Seasons, at, and she had a meeting with Ian Rion, who I met, and um, and she had the cast in place. Brooke Shields was in the lead, uh, and all sorts of exceptional actors. She had her own set, and she wanted to know if I'd be interested in producing and, and helping invest 
And uh, she wooed me with this whole idea of we were going to do seven films together. And, you know, it was like a whole new start for me and I would be in the next one. So somehow I convinced my husband and we ended up, you know, wholeheartedly going forward with it. And that's how it all happened. And the next thing I knew, I'm in Savannah, Georgia, for five weeks on the set um, and never had produced before. And I had to be the bad cop. You know, making sure things were fine. You know, what the f? Because trust me, that was not a role that I knew how to play. But you know, sadly, Beth suffered um, from bipolar, uh, uh-huh. and I did not know that. And about uh, after we finished the edit, uh, you know, she she took her own life. This is the director. And um, one of the saddest things I think that that I've ever you know one of the very very sad things for me to go through. Uh, but suddenly the film was my film, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I don't even live in America, I live in Australia. And so um, this has been a huge, uh, I've had, you know, two co-producers who were, um, you know, with me along this journey. And, um, and it's been a very long and bumpy ride. Uh, and I'm happy to say that Sony has now picked it up in America. And, uh, you know, on, on, on October the 9th, it'll be uh, on, you know, online and it'll be in all the shops. And I'm now uh, just about to sign with a sales agent internationally. So it's happening, and boy, have I grown. I can't tell you, I have found the badass in me, okay? The yeah. badass <laughs> in me, because I have had to get tough. There's just no other way I could handle this. In meetings with all men, I've had to find my inner warrior. And uh, and somehow I have, and it's been an incredible experience for me. Absolutely, that's some really good life advice for you know people out there listening. Because I know um, you know even for guys, I mean there are some guys that you know they they suffer from you know assertiveness, not not being assertive enough, and you know just kind of being even killed killed. And it's like sometimes you have to just dig deep and really get in there and fight for what you want. And so you gave some really, really good, um, some really good life advice there. Um, that that's a good takeaway. Yeah. It's like, you know, really hard. People look at your life and they think, Oh, it's just easy for that person. And I think, no, no, it's, hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Everything's hard. Nothing's, it's all struggles. You just have to figure out, you know, you know what, it, what struggle do you want? What's the important struggle for you to overcome? Do you know? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I know we're almost out of time. I just wanted to ask because there were two call-in questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, but the, one of the last things I want to ask you is about your music because I know that you are also yeah really, really invested in your music. Tell me about it. Um, do you have any new new music that you're working on? Hey, I'm so excited because I'm working with the UK record label. They're called Energize, and um, I'm so excited about it because I, I stopped singing for about two years. I released an album a few years back called Opus and I did some touring and it kind of took it out of me uh, and I just decided not to sing for a while and I took a couple of years off and then I was approached by this UK label and I was a, and then I had a fabulous writer in New York um, named Charlie Mason uh, and he wrote the winning song. He wrote the lyrics to the winning song Phoenix that can sung in um, you know, Eurovision. Um, he's an amazing lyricist, and he's written some songs for me. And then I was the most exciting thing was I know was there was an amazing Australian uh, guy called Parallax, and uh, we're doing four songs, very disco. I'm moving into the funnest, danciest, 
uh, you know, uplifting music because that's where I'm at and that's what the world needs. And um, and I'm recording all that in July, and I'm and I'm going to be releasing it hopefully by the end of the year, uh, which is going to just going to be a synth pop, uh, and I'm just super excited about it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Jane, my last two questions are, and this is a, a listener question. Um, it comes from Lizard Lady NJ. Uh, I think her name is Ilana. <laughs> uh, I love her. She's a good friend of mine. <laughs> okay, okay. She's very Love excited. that Lizard Lady. <laughs> um, she asked, my question for Jane Badler is, how come you chose Northwestern University as your college, and what is your fondest memory from Northwestern? You know, Northwestern University, then and now, is one of the great, great schools. And, um, you know, I got into, I got in, you know, they had the early admission. I was very lucky to get in early admission. And they had, at that time, uh, WAMU, which was where Anne Margaret came from, and they were very famous for that. Uh, So uh, it wasn't even like, um, you know, it just was, when they accepted me, it was just so exciting to know that I was going to study theater at one of the great theater universities. So that was kind of a no-brainer. And um, I guess one of my fondest memories, um, I, you know, Northwestern was a hard school. And it was a very competitive school. And um, I did a one-woman show called An Evening with Jane. And that's probably one of my very fondest memories. I had an orchestra, and I had three nights of doing my own thing. And um, I think that, you know, all the students, everyone, was, everyone came, and that was a really great, great memory for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a great school. I mean, I've, I've only visited the campus, but it's a really beautiful campus and it's a, it's a great school. So I think you, you it's a freezing well. school. I can tell you. Yeah. The winters. Lake Michigan. <laughs> that was one. You know, and it's a very big, I don't know if it's still a big fraternity sorority school. It was in those days. And, you know, I was anything but a fraternity sorority girl. You know, I was a kind of a rebel actress. So, um, you know, that was something that I never got involved in. But, um, you know, I know that it's, that's a very big part of universities, especially the Big Ten, you know, those universities. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, uh, it's a very freezing cold school because I visited in March, and it's uh, cold Illinois weather. <laughs> oh, did you? yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it is. It's very cold. <laughs> um, my last question uh, for you, Jane, is, um, it comes from underscore Giano, G-I-A-N-O. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love her, too. Another, <laughs> another beautiful fan. <laughs> she asked, uh, actress, singer, and producer, and you recently said there is an idea for a book. What pushes you to put yourself to the test, diving into new artistic adventures, passion, taste for challenges, thirst for knowledge? What is the spring that triggers you? Thank you. You know, it's kind of my lifeblood, you know, it's it's like the thing that keeps me alive, the thing that keeps me young, the thing that keeps me, you know, wanting to, to live. I mean, you know, of course, you know, there's love in your family, and but then there's me and, and what makes me want to get out of bed every morning. Uh, and uh, it's so important to me to be creative and have creative collaborations. Um, it's just really it's like the thing that makes me exist and, and, and be happy. So that's kind of what keeps me going. When, the, when, when nothing's coming to me, then I have to create it uh, because it's that important to me. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, that's some really good life advice. You know, if, if you know, the door doesn't open, you know, you got to, you know, try to try something else, you know, and you, and you've got to constantly, and I say that, you know, actors all the time, actors, directors, don't wait, don't wait for someone to knock on your door because it may never happen. You just have to create your own work, constantly create your own work. I create so much of my own work. Um, and I think that's why I moved into producing so that I could start looking at scripts and create my own work. This is what a lot of actors are doing that now. This is what lots of people are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the landscape has definitely changed over the years, and um, you just have to get out there and get after it. I mean, there's really no other way to, to put it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, Jan, I'm all out of questions. I wanted to um, ask, where can our listening audience find out more about you and keep abreast of your projects to come? Well, I'm on Instagram. It's Jane Baden News. And um, I'm on Twitter, and I've also got, you know, uh, you know, obviously a, a website. I don't, I don't blog as much as I should. I'm much more active on uh, on my Instagram. That's kind of my main thing that I'm always constantly posting what I'm up to. So um, that's probably the biggest reporting of what I'm up to. But um, yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got a fan page on Facebook, uh, which is always up to date. So there's lots of ways to find out what I'm up to. Yeah. I love it, Jane. Thank you so much. Um, wanted to open. Thank you. You were amazing. You were so amazing. You were <laughs> one of the best interviews I've ever had. So thank, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me because I'm, you know, yeah. just a small internet radio station. So I really appreciate that, Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Hopefully, we'll interview again next next year when my album comes out. Absolutely, it's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. Okay. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That was our exclusive interview with actress, singer, songwriter, producer, Jane Badler. Uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We're also on your uh, iOS device. If you've got an Apple product of any kind, you can listen to us by downloading the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's available for free uh, in the Apple Store. Download the app, search for our show name, redefine it in counterculture. You heard this interview with Jane. Uh, we're also available for Android users. Uh, if you've got an Android phone or a device, Go to the Google Play Store, search Google Play Music, search for our show name. Again, you'll hear this interview with Shane. We're also available on YouTube, and um, you can find us on YouTube by searching Witten Radio. Last but not least, if you've got a Roku player or a Roku smart television, you can uh, watch this show uh, right in the comfort of your own home. We have over 200-plus hours of original content programming interviews, all free of charge, uh, from the Roku channel store. Just search for our name. Once you search for our name, you can download the app and you can begin streaming all free of charge.